When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Welcome to Performance Anxiety. This is your host, Mark. And before we get into today's show, I just want to take a second and thank AKG for sending us their Podcaster Essentials Kit. It's got an incredible Lyra mic and some amazingly comfortable headphones. If you guys have ever thought about starting your own podcast, this is an incredibly economical and high-quality way to do it. Today's show features Tamara Afek, and she's been called Israel's Guitar Goddess. Her music is a wild combination of styles and genres. She's fearless and knows exactly what sounds she's looking for. But she didn't start out as a guitar deity. She began her musical journey with piano. Singing came a little later as she joined a prestigious children's choir. But it wasn't until she was 18 that she really started listening to rock music. I learned that she looks at writing a lot like a car crashing into a tree. I also learned that the Israeli version of rock and roll is hummus. It makes sense, trust me. Tamar's new album, All Bets Are Off, is out now on Kill Rock Stars. Pick it up and follow her on social media for exclusive stuff. Follow us at Performance ANX. Buy us non-committal coffee at ko-fi.com slash performance anxiety. Pick up a mug or shower curtain at performanceanx.threadless.com. And just like a pita chip into hummus, Let's dip into the show with Tamar Affick on Performance Anxiety on the Pantheon Podcast Network. Hi, I'm Tamar Affick. Um, I'm a producer, singer, songwriter, guitar player, and keyboard player. My new album, All Bets Are Off, is out on Kill Rock Stars. Um, you can purchase it or stream it in your favorite platforms. I hope you enjoy it, and uh, I hope uh, it will be a good way to open the new year. So how are you today? I, I, uh, I don't get a chance. Actually, I think this is the very first time I've had someone from Israel on the podcast. Really? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, well, I'm honored to be the, your first Israeli. <laughs> I've been listening to the, the new album actually for quite a, a, a while now. I was really lucky enough to get a, a copy of it and it's blown me away. But before we get too deep into that, I want to know about how you got into music in the first place. So you're, you, you live in Israel and that you, you grew up in Israel. Is that correct? Yes, that is correct. Uh, when I was at the age of three till the age of seven, my father worked in the Israeli embassy in Egypt. Oh, wow. So I think, I think it contributed to my 
musical experience, you know, being um, exposed to Arabic music from a young age, age as well. What kind of music were you hearing growing um, up? Was there a lot of uh, pop music or was it, uh, like you're saying, a lot of Arabian music? What were, what were you hearing? Well, again, between age three to age seven, uh, let's say my musical taste wasn't very, uh, <laughs> it wasn't, actually, it's not exactly true because I think I always inclined to- towards music. So okay. um, I, I, even at a young age, I, I had a great appreciation for it. But I guess when I was in Egypt, I was more exposed to the music of the Egyptian shows which were, there were a couple of shows with amazing music, but also, you know, going, I remember, uh, you know, when we went to the market and I, I remember being exposed to singers like Farid de Latrache and Dom Kultum okay. and uh, our guards would, would sing and, and play this music. So I, I think I was exposed to it as well. But um, I would say my main influence as a seven years old or eight years old was classical music. Ah, okay. Um, my my dad used to play a lot of classical music, and I started playing piano by when I was around seven. Oh, okay. So your musical experience actually started with piano, then, and not guitar. Yes, that's correct. And you also sang in a children's choir. Was was singing something that came early on to you as well? Well, I think I was. Um, when I was first exposed to the children's choir, you know, because uh, I heard about it from friends, I think I was just fascinated with the idea of being involved so many hours in music. Okay. Since, you know, we would rehearse like four times a week for hours. Oh, wow. And we had all these, um, you know, theoretical music uh, lessons. Yeah. And, um, we would. We actually toured. <laughs> it was a pretty famous uh, children's choir. So oh, I think wow. we were also. I can say we toured. We toured at a young age, and uh, and and you know we, we we would sing with orchestras. So I had. Uh, I was lucky enough to watch conductors like Zubin Mehta and uh, Daniel Birnbaum and Kurt Mazur f- for hours. You know, just looking at them working with uh, with the orchestra. So. These are the things that fascinated me the most. And is that what really drew you to study music formally, watching these uh, musicians and these conductors on a day-to-day basis? Well, I guess I'm, I was I was then I enrolled to a music school uh, till the age of eighteen. That that's my uh, I, I didn't go on to the higher institutions. Okay, but. Um, I think I don't know. I don't feel I, I don't feel like I chose doing music. I feel like music chose me. You know. Yeah, I can understand that. I've heard that several times. Really? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> well, the, I'm, you're hearing it the first time from an Israeli. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> so, well, in, you were in the conservatory. Were you studying classical and playing music all day? What, what was the curriculum like? Pretty much. I mean, it was. A music-oriented school, so we had a lot of uh, music lessons. And as I said, we—I mean, I would finish school around I don't know 2 p.m. and then I had a rehearsal with the choir, you know, at 4 p.m. <laughs> till to six, four times a week. Or, wow. And I had piano lessons. So, I mean, uh, it was. Uh, I'm sorry. What was the question? I'm <laughs> not even re- me back. I'm That's <laughs> okay. I'm not even really sure there was one. Uh, I think it was, I was just curious as to what you, what you were listening to at the time. Was it mainly classical, or were you listening to any any uh, 
rock and roll or pop music in addition to the classical that you were studying? Well, yes, I was very, I was very inside the classical music world. I guess um, the the only rock music I would hear was from watching MTV. Oh, oh um, okay. I remember, I remember going to the record stores and being fascinated with all these rock al- albums. But I always felt, you know, it, it was a time when there was no, um, I mean, there was no Spotify. Yeah. <laughs> so. Uh, <laughs> Knowing what to choose, you know, a record was pretty expensive. I don't know, around yeah. uh, sometimes $20. Oh, wow. So, I mean, what record would I choose? Oh, um, yeah, you got to so be careful. I remember <laughs> for a long time, what? You've got to be careful if, if you know, if it's, ex- that's ex- if it's that expensive. You've got to be careful and you got to, you got to check the, and you got to start, you know, picking the albums from cover, from the cover, from the art cover. Yeah. It's not uh, so simple. No, so, <laughs> you don't, you don't want to um, waste that money. <laughs> yeah, exactly. But I mean, it was more about, I, I guess I felt it, it wasn't my time yet. And then when I was uh, 18, I just uh, started buying rock records like crazy and started listening to everything like crazy. Oh, wow. I guess I was very, uh, I was very thirsty for it. I was very um, amazed from the sound of albums that I suddenly discovered that was I think that was the first thing that drew me in you know because of the classical music it's very um, you know there is a pure idea behind it you know how stuff need need to sound right. also as a piano as a classical piano player you know when I would play Mozart or Beethoven the instructions I got was to get inside you know inside Mozart's brain to get inside Beethoven uh, Beethoven's brain to right. give some oh, kind wow. of interpretation to to other people, so um, so so yeah, it was a very, so suddenly I felt like there was a lot of freedom in this. You know, I started buying like crazy. You know, Led Zeppelin and or taking from fans. And actually, I started. It, it's funny because you know my album I signed with Kill Rock Stars, but actually. Yes. One of, the, I mean, the, I remember the the few records I bought at the beginning were a lot of skill rock star stuff. Oh, really? You know, I started listening to to Elliot Smith and Unwound and and um, you know all these guys, Blonde Redhead and Fugazi and Shellac. I mean, this this was like the thing that really drew me in. Oh, and wow. then I, you know, had to compensate for from for the lack of knowledge I have in the, in the history. So I started, you know, listening to a lot of seventies albums and you know starting mem- starting memorizing, you know, producers' names and and journeys like crazy. And wow. I, I just got addicted, I guess. So you really dove in. You really kind of took a studious approach to it at that point. You just went found what you liked and then worked your way backwards to see who influenced those people. Exactly. Yeah. You also studied law. Is that related to the music or, I mean, where do you find the time to do this stuff? (laughs) Well, I remember when I was, when I was studying law, my professor used to come to my shows at at night. Um, Oh, wow. It was, uh, I wasn't, you know, in Israel, the scene was very, very small in Tel Aviv. I think we only had like one venue that that uh, you you know knew about bands like you know at the time like Polvo and and Fugazi and all that. Okay. And it was very 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 small. And um, you know I I started playing guitar. I didn't know if I'm I I, I didn't want to decide that you know this is that I'm going all the way because I just started you know and I yeah. I said I said I'd feel it. And in the meanwhile, I mean I I. 
I was I was also interested in law because I was interested. I felt I think I felt like I was going to go to some you know to some extreme uh, place you know for an Israeli girl in in Israel to 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 think about touring and to think about uh, taking a, an electric guitar and blasting the the amplifier. <laughs> you know, rock and roll in, in Israel. In, in you know hummus. Yes. You know the food hummus. I love it. Yes. So. Hummus in Israel, you know, it's a big thing. I think hummus in Israel is like rock and roll in the States. Oh, really? You know? I mean, <laughs> when, I toured the, when I toured the States, you know, everything is rock and roll. You know, the music people here and the way oh, yeah. that the, the roads are built. Um, so, <laughs> so in the States, you know, it's, it, it flows in your blood. Right. In Israel, um, at the time, it was more like a, like a far dream. Really? And uh, and an extreme one to take. So for me, I, I was like, okay, I want to study law, you know, to know how to know to know the rules, to know how society is built and stuff. Yeah. And um, to to feel like I explored, you know, another another world. I like exploring a lot, uh, okay. different worlds and you know, different languages. So I felt like it would be cool to to study it. But at nights, I would go and you know play rock, rock and roll shows. Wow. What is the music scene like there in Israel? You said in, in Tel Aviv, there's just, there's basically one place to go. It, it is. In, no, is, no, that was, that was, uh, 10 years ago. Okay. Today, today it's, it's much more, de- today it's much more developed. It's, um, I mean, you know, today, today, I, I think, uh, we're all in the same boat kind yeah. of, because there are no, I mean, there are no venues open. Exactly. But the scene in Israel is very developed. Um, I myself produced a festival in Israel um, that contributed to to other festivals that uh, came and that that really enlarged the scene. How did you decide to start a festival? And how does does one go about starting a festival? Um, it's a good question. I, I realized that there, you know, at the time I used to go to, I, I went to some nature festivals and I saw there was this big scene in Israel for nature festivals. And on the other other hand, there, there was like this growing scene of, I would say, maybe a thousand people that I would, that, you know, in all of Israel that were into this kind of music. Okay. So I just thought if you take these guys and you take the guys that like nature, they can be at the same place, even though maybe each one of them enjoys other aspects of the events. Mm-hmm. You know, some people like the idea they can go to nature and other like, like the idea of the, the, this, this kind of music. And, and, the, and the people that like this kind of music are mostly, you know, like city mouses. Like they normally right. don't go out of town. Right. They don't go to these nature festivals, which seem like too hippie for them or, or something. So I thought it was a good combination and, and it was, it proved itself. So how long we have you been doing well, up until the pandemic? How long was the festival running for? Well, I did the festival only for three years because then I started touring a lot. Oh, um, okay. I had a band named Carousella. Yes. Just me and a drummer. So I, ha- I helped other festivals, but I myself had to stop doing it because I was a lot on the road and I couldn't, uh, okay. um, couldn't put all my energies to that. So... So yeah, I started touring a lot and so uh, playing music one one out. The, the, the next chapter. Yeah, I mean today I feel I'm more concentrated in organizing my music, but uh, yeah, I became more in the 
I mean, I started being, in the last couple of years, I started uh, improving my producing skills, um, you know, learning, uh, learning all these uh, music softwares like Pro Tools oh. and Ableton. Yes. Which yeah. I felt uh, were important to, yeah, I think, I mean, I would call myself a great rough mixer. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know why there, there, there isn't a title like that. <laughs> um, I, I, <laughs> I mean, this last album, I rough mixed it for hours, you know, really? I think oh. I wanted to do it because, because, you know, at the end when you, when you, when you're with a mixer in the room, so, you know, you have all these ideas of what you, you think should be done. Right. And once you experience, you know, doing it yourself for a long, for, for a lot of hours, you know, you, you already tried, you know, putting the bass in the front and the, and the drums in the back, you tried all these kind of options. So you're more, re I was more relaxed, you know, to get into this, the mixing session. Okay. So, so yeah, so now my mind is more, more on the technical sides of uh, music. <laughs> Now, I want to know a little bit more about Carousella because I listened to that album and holy shit, that is heavy. and start playing such incredibly heavy stuff? And or were there other bands that sounded like Carousel? Or were you guys pretty unique in Israel? I think we were pretty unique in Israel, certainly for a two-piece band, because uh, it was just a drummer and me on That's, the guitar. God, it doesn't um, sound like it. It sounds so heavy and, and thick. Yeah, it's, it's interesting what two people can do. Oh, it, um, yeah. At the time... There was an Israeli band named Monotonics. Did you did, did you hear about this band? No, I've, I haven't heard of them. So I would recommend also you listen to Monotonics. You, okay. You, you, you will probably like it. I think this was the, the us and Monotonics. We were the main bands that um, they, they were a three piece, but the, but the singer didn't play on anything. So it was like a guitar, <laughs> drums, and a singer. Oh wow! They are, they they toured the states a lot. A lot. They're, they have an album that's out in drag that was out in Drag City. Oh, cool! Um, Another great label. They were known for their really like extreme shows, you know. So I so I mean we used to hang out and uh, kind of influenced each other. And I remember one time Federation X, you know this band? Yes. Yes. So they came to Israel. Okay. And I remember when they when they played in Israel. So you know that was very heavy. Yeah. And uh, I think once we heard them, we were like, okay, let's do heavier. <laughs> um, you know, touring around. I think I think that's how it that's how it works. You know, like sometimes you know you know the famous story of you know Pete Thousand and Jimi Hendrix. When they played together, yeah, um, and Jimmy Hendrix had to 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 put his guitar on fire so the show yeah. would be better. <laughs> yep, it's <laughs> um, <laughs> a great story. So yeah, it was kind of like you know, if you play with a heavy band, you got to be heavier. So was Carousello well received in Israel? Yes, it was very well received. I think you know we would play on the floor, 
and uh, the whole <laughs> thing became like very theatrical. Oh, cool. Um, yeah, and I, I just play, I think by the time Carousel came out, I only played guitar for like three years or two years. Um, oh, wow. And I was like, you know, very into every riff. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I, was, uh, I was like, I'm going to believe this, this riff till, the, till I die. <laughs> I will believe in it. <laughs> you um, are committed to it. Yeah, I'm totally committed to it. And it was very, uh, it, was, it was a very physical show. I, you had to be in shape. I read that they were very intense shows. Yeah. I found one track by Shoshana, Troops, mm-hmm. which, again, incredibly mm-hmm. heavy. That's, that's so intense. Your new album is not as heavy. Uh, I'm not, you know, I've, yeah. it's not as uh, brutal as these, the, as uh, Shoshana and Carousella. But, you know, technically, the, the guitar playing is, is incredible. And you've been playing with some in- amazing, well, I, I would say rhythm sections, but it's, you know, one guy. So maybe it's uh, rhythm sections even too much of a broad because you're half the rhythm section at that point. Um, but how did you become? Uh, this is gonna, maybe this is a dumb question, but you're really innovative with the guitar. What are some of your inspirations? Because I saw a little clip of you playing a little like Casio type of keyboard on top of your pickups to get a a, a little riff going. Are you doing that out of? Uh, just curiosity or is it something that that inspired you well i mean my guitar playing obviously you know i was influenced by the best guitar players but i guess it's always a mission to find your own sound and your own character right and uh, sometimes you need inspiration for that so sometimes inspiration can come in the form of a huge marshal, you know, maybe two, two boxes if possible. Yeah. Sometimes the inspiration can come from, from a keyboard and the guitar. Sometimes an inspiration can come for a new guitar. Um, I think it's always, you know, I'm always in the search of finding my sound. You know, every every room is different. Every day yeah. is different. I feel like sound is a very interesting thing. You know, it brings out different stuff. I mean, I think I always, I always, uh, you know, write my parts as, uh, write my parts compared to the sound I have. I mean, the the record was recorded mostly at Depton Studios. I remember I was touring the States with this 
amplifier that I was sure was really shitty. It was like <laughs> this amplifier I, I bought for like $200, yeah. you know, for the tour. And it was like a hot rod deville. And I was really like bummed that I didn't have a twin reverb, you know. Yeah. In, in Israel, we say, I ate my head. <laughs> I ate my head. I was like <laughs> complaining all the time that I don't have my, my twin reverb. And, oh, that, you know? I and then I remember we, we entered the... <laughs> and then we went into the Deftone studios and suddenly the amplifier sounded amazing. I couldn't believe it. Yes. I mean, that room, you know, it's a small room, but just suddenly it was like magic. It was like, oh my God, this is like the best sound I ever had. So, you know, that also brought out stuff in this record. We'll be right back after a word from our sponsors. Did you write all the music on the new record? I'm answering your question. I, oh, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, absolutely. What did you say? Absolutely. Uh, I was just, I was curious on the new album. You've got an amazing yeah. bass player and, and your drummer is insane. How, yeah. how did you, first of all, have you been playing with those guys very long? Well, before the, the recording of the album, um, I met the drummer. Okay. And I think we rehearsed for about three to four months. When um, my instructions were play as crazy as you can, <laughs> and that's um, and David. we would just play for for four months uh, as crazy as we can. Oh wow! And you know it's a very intense experience. I think I think many times I encourage you know musicians and sound engineers and even graphical designers to do things which for some people may seem odd, but uh, you know I'm always I was. I, I saw his potential, you know, of being this amazing drummer, and I felt like I wanted, you know, to free him completely. I think many times when, you know, musicians want to play a song, especially these days, you know, when you have the more Ab- Ableton attitude, which enables you, you know, to to fix things like in the most precise and correct way, you know, things yeah. that weren't necessarily possible, you know, like... 20, 30 years ago, not to mention, you know, how bands used to, to, to record only on tape and didn't have the digital uh, editing option. Right. So, I mean, there is something, there is something from that time period that I think us musicians can't forget because so many great records were made and there is something in the, in the old approach that I like incorporating to today's music and so I think, you know, we, we also listen to tons of, you know, Max Roach albums and Miles Davis and, and a lot of what they call world music. Okay. But I prefer not using that word, you know. Because, right. Yeah. Um, yeah. What's, what's the center of the world? You know, it's debatable. Um, a lot of rhythms that are not necessarily um, the first rhythms that you would think about when you think about rock and roll, maybe more a jazzy kind of approach or, or rhythms of, you know, Ethiopian rhythms or, mm-hmm. or um, South American rhythms. So we improvised a lot before we met with the bass player. And okay. the, the bass player, who is also very talented, you know, he, he yeah. you know, he, I, I felt like I was... Um, doing this play that I wanted to do this play um, of, of rock and roll in, an, in a different way than I used to do it. Okay. And I felt like 
you know, I'm they they are uh, coming coming on board, you know, as actors, and they did an amazing an amazing job. I mean, they got into character and and um, and yeah, and they're it was it was an amazing experience. It sounds incredible because, like you said, you've mixed a lot of different sounds with rock and roll. I mean, there's like reggae or Caribbean beats. There's some jazz and the you know the the dirty word world music. You know, you've mixed a lot of that in really unique ways, and it's the album is very uh, experimental, which you don't hear a lot anymore I, I remember growing up in the 80s a lot of bands were willing to take chances but once you know the, the late 80s hit and, and 90s you saw a lot less of that you know bands willing to be fun and try something a little different they would uh, you don't see that anymore and this album is very refreshing in the sense that it, it goes in a lot of different directions very well Thank you. Yeah, I think that was the the challenge. Is is there a concept or a theme for the album? Well, musically wise, you you de- you definitely hit the point. I mean, um oh, <laughs> I didn't want <laughs> I didn't want uh, uh you know, an album that sounds the same. I didn't want to have like 10 songs which sounds like the first song. So that was that was like a, a conscience decision. And, you know, I was trying to figure out how do I do it? How do I bring all these kinds of genres into one album? So I was thinking maybe I should, you know, change the way I look, I look at it. You know, maybe right. sometimes the medium can, 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 the approach to the medium is, can, can, can be confusing. Suddenly I thought of an album more like a movie. Oh, cool. Okay. And, um, a lot of the movies, uh, which I like, you know, they, they have a, a big range of emotion in them. I mean, sometimes it's scary, sometimes it's sad, sometimes it's happy. It's not always, you know, one state of mind. Right, yeah. So I thought if I could approach, you know, the the idea of the album more like that, that gave me a lot of freedom to play. You know, I can uh, I can surprise people, for example. You know, looking oh. looking at the yeah. at the at the song orders as as a surprise element. You know, like okay, now they heard that and that and that. What what will surprise them now? You know. Well, I'll, I'll um, tell you what and, surprised and basically me. Basically, what would surprise me? I'll, I'll tell you what surprised me what was <laughs> yeah. getting my head blown off with the uh, Russian winter opening the album. Holy crap! That song's amazing. I know I'm gonna lose the war. I know how big the risk is taking you with me I'll fight through Russian winter straight into your heart You say you can't see blood but I plan to miss that part My attitude with that song, song song was like, okay, let's you know edit it like in an electronic kind of way um, <laughs> and fuck it up, you know, as a way that uh, I mean, even though I'm not doing like formal electronic music, you know, let's let's treat it like it is. Uh, it was very fun to edit it. It's- the editing was uh, a big part of this album, and it was really 
I was really drawn into that experience. I was really fascinated with it. Well, I mean, that's what the digital editing enables you to do. It's amazing. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And it's uh, Russian. Okay, so Russian winter is very, very heavy, very bombastic. And then you go, you're showing your love for editing here by going straight into show me your pretty side, which is a lot softer and more subdued. So the, you know, right off the bat that this album isn't not isn't going to be all bombast and and anger and and just getting pummeled to death with riffs there's a lot of nuance to the album which you don't see a lot anymore cool i'm really glad you, you enjoyed that part i mean obviously that was like that was like the risk um so, that was the challenge but yeah i'm glad i'm glad you thought it worked i, oh, I think it works brilliantly and from what i understand uh you guys before you went into the studio you rec- you toured for a while to kind of lock the bass and the drums in, but you wouldn't play your guitar in the rehearsals? Well, when we were, yeah, when we rehearsed, we went, when we rehearsed before touring, I didn't play guitar so I could produce the, the bass and drum parts. Okay. Um, I was very active in the, in the rhythm section, you know, uh, and obviously, you know, listening, listening to it from the outside enabled me, you know, to get into nuances that if I would play guitar while we were playing together... Um, you know, it's more difficult. I, I am, I love, I love producing musicians when, when I play guitar, because I feel like there's this special muscle <laughs> that, um, you can focus on your vocals and your guitar and also be aware of what the other musicians are doing right. and being able to produce them. It is possible, but it's, it's not as easy, you know, as, as just uh, listening from the outside and encouraging them in the parts where you think they should be encouraged and opening the debate in parts you think uh, are, are working less. I think, you know, the main thing was to encourage them. You know, one of the things I like saying to musicians I play with is like, okay, here's the song I'm playing, you know, I'm playing like uh, guitar vocals, you know, a very, very basic song. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, okay, now, now think about this song, like it's a car. And now oh. let's crush this car in a tree. <laughs> now, when people, <laughs> That's a- now, when people look at the car accident, you know, I do want them to, to realize it was a car, right? Like, I don't want people to think it was like, you know, a motorcycle. Right. <laughs> I, want, I don't want the accident to be that hard. Right. But, you know, maybe they could even tell. <laughs> maybe they can even tell it was a Maserati. I'm not saying. <laughs> but, you know, let's crush this car. Like, let's not be afraid. Let's crush it. And, um, and it's a, sometimes it's a painful experience, you know. You you crush your song and you're like, oh, but it's such a beautiful song. Why do I have to crush it like that? Right. You know? But then something more beautiful happens, you know. Then you're you're making music because for me, I'm I'm more in the approach that you know music is like some people are like some people believe that you know the most important thing is the song, you know, like right. the song. The song is the most important thing, and I'm like, fuck the song. I'm like, the song <laughs> is just an excuse to do music. <laughs> oh, so I, I love guess that. the truth is somewhere in the middle. I love that. But uh, but yeah, I want to do music. You know, I want to have an interesting baseline, and I want it to to take me places, and you know, music. Music is the the real thing. Are the songs on the album? Did you were you the the primary writer, or did or and, and David contribute to to the writing of any of the material? No, I wrote uh, all the 
all the lyrics of the song. Okay. Uh, uh, all the songs. Yeah. <laughs> and were they basically ready to go once you went into the studio? Or did you guys experiment in the studio by crashing the, the song while you were in the studio? Or had they all been pretty much wrecked while you were on tour? They were wrecked while we were on tour. I mean, <laughs> you know... <laughs> so you you basically had an idea you know, of what you um, wanted in, when you went into the studio then. Yeah, we did. But we did have a lot of a lot of freedom, you know. Okay. I mean, at one point I started uh treating the whole thing like <laughs> I I'm not a big football um expert. Okay. I'm not an expert at all. But if there's one thing I noticed is that, uh, I mean, soccer, uh, <laughs> more, more in the soccer world, because football is not really developed in Israel. But if there's one thing I noticed, you know, is how sometimes, you know, they would raise, a, like, the coach or or, the, or, or if you're Ronaldo, <laughs> oh, yeah. you, you pick up your hand, you know, and point your finger, like, there, there are moves, you know, like the first move, the second move, the third move. Yeah, yeah. So my approach was, you know, started... Instead of like, you know, taking, a, I don't know, a musical part, let's say, you know, okay, I have, I have the verse and then I have like an instrumental and then I have the verse. So instead of like deciding the timeline, you know, when the verse, the first verse will end and when the instrumental part will, will start, um, I started, you know, develop, we started together, you know, touring, you, you're together all the time, you know, you start, yeah. these people become closer to you than your family, you know, right. so you, you also start, you know, like getting, getting each other. But I started learning, you know, to give cues from the eyes or from, from the way my body moves or, you know, yep. from from conversations uh, late at night, you know, when you drink. Oh, yeah. I felt that in the part where you move from that part to that part, you know, finding all like these moments where you can produce it uh, during during the tour. Mm -hmm. um, but it was very, um, it was a conscious decision not to, I mean, if you take a song like Drive. I'm not gonna like, you know, uh, mathematically break it down because uh, we have a, we have a ride to do. You yeah. know, I mean, uh, I think it's gonna be like it's gonna be like five kilometers, but but I don't know. It might take more. There might be traffic. You know. Yeah. I don't know. We have to drive. So um, so yeah. So some of the songs are you know more more um, arranged mathematically than others, but a lot of the post production was very you know mathematical and. Um, um, there were, as I said, a lot of edits, and uh, that was the chance, you know, to to tighten everything up. And you wrap the album up with a very sweet rendition of "As Time Goes By" from Casablanca. You must remember this: a kiss is just a kiss, a sigh is just a sigh. The fundamental thing. And when two lovers do, they must say I love you. On that you can rely. So why did you choose that mm -hmm. song and 
why did you choose that to end the album with? Well, as I said before, thinking about the album more as a movie, mm-hmm. you know, um, I think there, yeah, there were a couple of, of, of songs, you know, that were, you know, I think, you know, generally speaking, my music, you know, when, when I wanted to, I will answer a question, but I, I'll just give a, a small, uh, I want to say something small before that. Absolutely. Um, when I write, when I, when I think about, you know, like, what do I want my listener to experience? You know, I, I would, I don't think about it normally, but, but okay. um, th- this is something, you know, people ask you. So, so, so it's interesting, you know, when I need to think about it, you know, like what, what do I want to make them feel for you? Mm-hmm. And I think like for me, I, I think, you know, we have so many emotions like during the days, during our, during our daily life and so many thoughts and so many emotions. And sometimes, you know, I mean, I'm thinking about what, what music does to me, you know, sometimes I, I like hearing specific kind of music, you know, when I want to feel something, but I, but I don't have, I'm not going to sit, you know, and, and feel it. I want to like experience something. So, okay. If I'm angry and I listen to, you know, some angry music, so I'm like, Oh cool. This song is, is legit. You know, my feelings yeah. are legit. I can feel this way now. And, and it's, it's like this passive active kind of thing you're doing at the same time. So it's like an active listening, right? Yeah. I mean, yeah. so, so yeah, so I, so I figured, you know, my listeners, you know, at at the, at the point we reach the end of the album, you know, they're gonna go all through this roller coaster of emotions, mm-hmm. and um, I I wanted to to end it, you know, with a with a hopeful state of mind. Okay. Um, you know, gen- generally speaking, I I I just love this song, and I just you know recorded it, and it was it was with a bunch of other songs, but uh, suddenly it felt right to close the album with it because, I mean. The song is from Casablanca, which is considered, uh, you know, the the most romantic uh, film of of our time. I mean, many times, right. you know, uh, all kinds of um, magazines, you know, crown it as the most romantic movie. Right. Yes. And uh, so I figured. So I figured, you know, so if if Casablanca is one of the most romantic music, so Astam Goes By is, is one of the most romantic songs. But also Casablanca, you know. It's 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 not like the classic love story, right? Like at the end, these two lovers are making a sacrifice, you know, for 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 a greater good that they believe yes. in at, at, yeah. at that point. So I th- I feel the song also has this kind of feeling, you know, it's like a love song, but I feel it's more like a love song for time. You know, the song is okay. called "As Time Goes By." Like the the power of time, you know, the power of what time can do. It's amazing how many wounds it can heal. That's for sure. How it changes your perspective. Yeah. How it enables you to be smarter. So I, I, I thought it was pretty like an intelligent love song, you know, and I felt I felt it was hopeful and and, and generally speaking I am for I, I, I am I, I believe in love songs. I think we I think, you know, we should have as many love songs as as possible. It's something that, you know, also is missing sometimes, I feel, from from today's music. Yeah, you, know, you are absolutely like a, right. a, a true love song. It's less less about, you know, oh, you did this and that to me, but, you know, but I'm here or yeah. something like that. You know, <laughs> less, less the blaming game. Just like, yeah. you know, you love these songs, you know, they were written in difficult times. I mean, uh, songs like Unforgettable, you know, the, the people that wrote it and sang it, they had a hard life. Yes. But still they, you know, connected to these emotions. So it's, it's, it's important. I think we have a lot to learn from that. That's a great perspective that I honestly haven't heard on this podcast ever before. So that's, I'm, I'm glad you said that. 
Oh, I'm honored you said that. Yeah. <laughs> well, the album. All right. So the album's out on Kill Rock Stars, which is a legendary label. You you were a big fan of the label when you started diving into rock. How did you get hooked up with them? Did you send them music, or are they actually out checking out the Israeli musical scene? I send them my music. Excellent. Um, I just send it to them, and yeah, it was a. Uh, Slim Moon uh, contacted me, and it was it was a great day. Oh yeah, I that, love Slim. He's so he's so uh, smart and special, a special person, and he has a great taste in music. Well, I think it's awesome that it was and a great perspective on music. Oh, cool! Well, I, th- I think it's amazing that that was the uh, label that really got you into rock, and and now it's your label. I think that is just. I love yeah, stories totally like that. like a circle. Yeah, yeah, I, I love stories like that. It's incredible. So is Israel the new musical hotbed that I need to be looking out for? <laughs> well, it's definitely a place you should be looking out for. I mean, uh, yeah, there are very talented people here. You know, I wish, I wish the political scene was better, but um, the, the musical scene is always developing and always reaching new new places and a lot of talented people in israel well you've been uh you've been called israel's guitar goddess and i think that's a a really wild title because the music isn't just you're not just shredding you're not just hitting me with all kinds of power chords if you your playing is so varied that that title kind of makes sense to me now Congratulations on reaching the the deity status so early on in your guitar playing career. It, that's amazing. And uh, where can people pick up the album? Because the album's out now. So how can they find it and how can they buy it? Well, they can buy it on the Killer uh, Rockstars store and they on the online store. Mm-hmm. And uh, they can listen to it on Spotify everywhere. It's on all platforms. Excellent. And are you guys... But I do recommend buying the vinyl because the vinyl is, is really cool. What? The the cover of the vinyl was made by this great artist named uh, Ben Edge. Yes. Um, he also did artwork for Fat White Family, etc. And he's really amazing. So it's nice to, to get his art. Well, I've got a, well. a, a copy of the CD, actually, and I love the artwork. It's... It, I mentioned earlier that the album is so varied and sounds so experimental that it reminds me of albums, you know, 40 years ago where bands were willing to experiment. And the the album art kind of reminds me of cool albums from the 80s and 70s. And it's just, so I love the entire package. I think it's, it, the, the music in it is amazing. The artwork is, is really intriguing. And I'm, I'm just a, I'm a new huge fan of yours. So I really do appreciate you spending my morning and your afternoon just kind of chatting with me and, and telling me about how you got into this whole thing. It's, it's been fascinating. Thank you. Your questions were great. And it's a big honor for me to be on performance anxiety. I love <laughs> you guys. And thank you so much. Uh, Oh, where, really a big honor. Where can people follow you on uh, social media? Uh, and, and are you going to be doing anything with, I don't know how, if anything in Israel is open as far as live venues and all, but are you going to be doing any live streaming or any anything since we're still kind of in the pandemic? Um, well, yes, we, I, we have plans to do live streaming. Um, I guess it will be happening in the, in the next uh, month or two. Okay. 
on social media, I, I'm I'm pretty much everywhere on Facebook and on Instagram, and uh, yeah, sometimes I I upload all kinds of uh, acoustic versions for the songs from the album. Oh wow! Uh, there's one that's going to uh, be out soon, so yeah, follow me and uh, check it out. Awesome, Tamar! Thank you so much for for being on the show. Thank you, Mark. It's NFL draft season, and that means it's time to start thinking about fantasy football. FantasyPoints.com features industry-leading experts and prognosticators using proprietary hand-charted data to help you score more fantasy points. FantasyPoints.com is the place to go for whatever kind of fantasy football you play. Whether you play fantasy football, daily fantasy sports, or do a little bit of everything, Fantasy Points has the meticulously researched content to guide you to victory. And why wait for the fall? Fantasy Points also covers the new spring football league, the UFL. Join the guru, John Hansen, Scott Barrett, Joe Dolan, and other massive names in the fantasy football universe with an exclusive offer. Use code Pantheon for 15% off any Fantasy Points package, including the all-in package, with access to every article, tool, and data nugget that Fantasy Points has to offer. That's FantasyPoints.com and code Pantheon for 15% off at Fantasy Points. FantasyPoints.com, code Pantheon. Score more fantasy points.